Hello and welcome to another episode of Improperly Packaged, a show where we unbox topics related to movies, TV, games, whatever. I'm Jordan. With me is Luke. How are you doing, Luke? What's up, guys? Doing well. Great. Great to hear. Um, so have you run out of like, have you, so one thing about this whole quarantine, lockdown, whatever thing is, uh, I've noticed that I've been able to really improve my breakfast game over the weekend. <laughs> Is this something that has occurred in your life? Um, yeah, that's kind of something that we had done for a little while. Like our go-to is, well, I shouldn't say we've upped it because I'm, I'm guessing you're going to tell me something more complicated than what I'm about to say, but probably not. Um, <laughs> like I, I actually cooked this morning and yesterday, which I hadn't done in a little while, but this morning I made omelets with smoked sausage and yesterday mm. I baked a bunch of bacon and our go-to is bacon, egg and cheese on croissant. Mm. And because Publix was out of the smaller croissant packages, we got um, bagels. So we, we, you know, for the amount of the extra sandwiches that we wanted, we had some bagels. But man, those croissants, that's the way to go that for a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> Very nice. No, you've definitely outclassed me when it comes to, to breakfast. Oh, I doubt no. it. I doubt it. Let's hear it. Well, there's one area that I'm, that that's significant. Only one. And that's the eggs. And so... <laughs> With the yeah. eggs, um, Amber has taken over egg duty. I introduced this method of egg uh, to her that was first introduced to me by our friend, friend of the show, Chef Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was watching his uh, episode of Hot Ones, and at the mm-hmm. end, he displays how to cook the perfect scrambled eggs. And I was like, those eggs... Oh, I think we were actually watching that at some point. I remember yeah. Bethany telling me about that. Yeah, the one where he's like, he wheels it out and he's like cussing because he's like, his mouth's on fire and he's like, oh, oh, and he's like, all right, oh, the, egg, yeah. the eggs are yep. alive. You gotta keep, yep. gotta yep. keep skirt, throwing them up there. And so um, yep. I tried that. <laughs> and so they are more like gooey and mushy than any um, scrambled eggs I've ever had or ever will have really anywhere else. But the taste is so good. They're like creamy. What was his advice to change about what you normally have done? Well, the thing that you do, you cook them really slowly. You like don't mm-hmm. like put them on a hot pan. He uses like a pot, like a small like saucepan, and you put them in there. And the basically, of a frying pan. Yeah, and with you straight it, walls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you put it in there with butter, and then you put it on there. Let the pan get hot. Then you take it off, mix it around, mm-hmm. and then you repeat that process here and there. He uses uh, creme fraiche, which is basically just a really light cream. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't have that, so we just use milk which uh, achieves the same purpose. And then after that, like after the fact, after it's like done, after it's the right consistency, then you use the spices and Hmm. hot dog. That is some good freaking eggs. All Hmm. we did was like, all we did literally is watch that video and listen to how we, (laughs) how we like told you to do it. And so we do it. And Amber has taken that over. I did the first time she was like, Oh, they're so mushy. Mm. (laughs) She started like this. She was like, holy crap. Okay. These are the best eggs I've ever had. Now she's taken over it and she has surpassed me. But um, (laughs) other than that, we've uh, taken to a more ghetto thing to do is we uh, will make a can of hash. I'll put it on Mm -hmm. the uh, cooker, make it really nice and crispy on some nice high heat. Just, you you know, extremely salty, (laughs) but what good stuff. It's like the (laughs) grossest thing when you 
take it out of the can. It's like dog food. It smells <laughs> like dog, like literally buttercup or cat will like approach us. <laughs> She's like, hold up now. What you got? Yeah, there? exactly. She'll appro- she never does this with any human food, but she approaches me and is like, Oh, what you got? She'll go like, Meow, as if she's about to get fed. It's really <laughs> gross, but it turns out really nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, breakfast. It's, that's the, the whatever for today. Um, so watching slash playing, I, I, did, I think I went, you went last week first, I believe. Yeah, I think it's your turn. All right. So my turn to go first. All right. So um, first up, I got a couple movies that I checked out um, over this past week. One that I just watched a couple days ago, uh, which is new to Netflix. It's a Netflix original um, it's called Extraction, um, starring Extraction. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, this one is uh, produced and written by at least one of the Russo brothers, and it's directed by a guy, I don't remember his name, but he's a stuntman. The man who directed this, he's, he did the stunt work for a lot of the Avengers movies and just a lot of, a lot of action movies. So this is directed by a stuntman and written by some uh, capable writers here. Um, it was is it better than that hot trash of a michael bay movie that i reviewed a while back that i couldn't finish i can only imagine uh because because <laughs> this movie um six underground i think six it was underground yeah i yeah. haven't been able to bring myself to even watch a little bit of that but complete waste of time <laughs> especially after your scathing review <laughs> this um, one looked good i mean i've been seeing chris has been posting mm-hmm. a lot of stuff about it and promoing you know it up since he can't go on the late shows <laughs> uh-huh and uh it is good um honestly i recommend this one um as like a john wick-esque kind of action movie where it's just it's all about the action That's high praise yeah i mean actually yeah i think this holds up with john wick level action it's no very way. good I, that's I, crazy i think it really does like as whatever you think of the movie and like because like the John Wick is like very winking. It's like it has like kind of tongue in cheek. Like it's a little humorous. It's like it's a wacky world a little bit. This is very serious. It's similar in the way it does its action to John it, Wick. It is. It's very yeah. focused on choreography. The stunt work is fantastic, and the way the action is framed. I don't mean to like sound like technical and snobby or anything, but the way the action is framed is really actually spectacular. Like mm. it's it's the what I really like. It's up close. Because whenever it, action is up close, it's very choppy a lot of times. Very, and you're like, what? The, yeah. What is going on? Too many cuts. Yeah, yeah. This. That's how Six Underground was. Yeah. I'd imagine that's how that's a, yeah. a cheat for a lot of action movies. This yeah. is tight on the action, but just right to where you see everything that's going on. Everything right. that, like every awesome thing that you're supposed to see, you see it and you understand how the action is framed. It's very good and with its action and you know the story isn't terrible like it's mm-hmm. it's very simple which is good it's a very simple story it's usually a place netflix struggles exactly it's an intriguing story the, well yeah. yeah and the story isn't anything special it's very much it's just a framework for the action it's here's this kid get him out of here here are the stakes go you know and, and it's very much that and because everything is so tense, you're like entertained and invested the whole way through. And they do just enough with the characters in action that you're, that you're cool with it. You're following the character. You're following the kid. You're, you're into the movie. And I was into it. You know, it's like we had to stop it like 
a third, like two thirds of the way through because Amber had to do something. And I was like, Hey, let's go back. I got to finish this movie. It's not a movie I wanted to walk away from at all. I definitely wanted to see it through. And I, I, yeah, I recommend this one. This is one of the better Netflix movies I've seen because what it does well, it does so well. Like it's a really good action movie as far as like just how the action is done. It's very um, engaging. It's very violent. I will say that it's not insane. It's just, just like it's John Wick level violence, but it's nothing like Saul or anything crazy. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just violent. But you know. I think John Wick is the standard right now for action movies. I, it I really think is. They're just there. I don't think there's an action movie I've seen in the last, I don't know, two or three of the years at least that has been better than John Wick. I mean, John Wick three especially was. All of them have been great, but John Wick three. It's incredible how much they stepped up from what were two excellent movies Mm -hmm. to make what i would say is probably the best one the third one it's just like it's just a movie that's just evolved you know each movie at a time just upping the action and but also like not doing the fast and the furious thing where it just goes overboard and like it just gets laughable you know like they still they kept it pretty grounded like you know they still did some pretty close to unbelievable things in the movie but in a way in which it's like okay, that might happen. And I could definitely see it in the John Wick world. So yeah, that's great to hear. There's a movie that's at least like attempting to do that and coming somewhat close. It sounds like definitely it's, it's, awesome. a, little, it's a little more grounded um, though. There are a few moments where like John Wick, you, you question the survivability of certain yeah. instances, but that's just action movies. <laughs> that's just action movies. It's like a more serious Arnie movie. You just put, this character, which is a viable badass, which is uh, Chris Hemsworth, and he's just <laughs> kicking all sorts of butt throughout the entire movie, and it's 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 vastly entertaining, and I definitely recommend it. Glad to see standalone action movies are not dead. <laughs> I, I absolutely they are not, and I think we have partially John Wick to think about it to be like this is viable, you know, because first with John Wick one, you're like, oh boy, here's a, a hope hopeful star vehicle for Keanu Reeves over in a Lionsgate picture, and it just yeah. turned out to be this surprise uh it turned thing that turned into like an action hero classic kind of deal he's like the he's like the new um uh what's his face from uh die hard it's just uh kind of cool because we haven't had one of those in a long time that's right um another movie i watched (laughs) it was uh on hulu I think it might be on a few other streaming services. This is a movie called The Art of Self-Defense. Have you heard of this one? Mm, yeah. I kept wanting to see it. Yeah. Um, Back it, when it was in theaters, actually. I just I missed it. Yeah. It's not new. I think it's about a maybe a year old. Uh, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg mm-hmm. uh, starring. It's, I think it was like uh, last summer or something, late summer or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a movie I've had my eyes on. I mean, all <laughs> I, I will say is uh, it is... Mm, it is a dark comedy. Um, when you see it, when you see like the trailer, you kind of see the the premise. You read the premise. It's about a mild-mannered man who uh, gets the crap beat out of him by uh, some uh, supposed muggers, and he takes a self-defense class. Um, and what you would think it's uh, to turn a mild-mannered mild, mild, man into like uh, this uh, badass, and he starts like you know getting some revenge. This isn't the movie you think it is. It is. It goes into some wild directions as far as the plot goes. And uh, it's one of those movies where it's a very dark, dark, dark comedy where there are some things where you just uh, are unpleasant. And every now and then you're expected to laugh. And sometimes you're expected to engage with the character and plot. And sometimes 
you don't know which is which and sometimes you just feel uncomfortable with it but other than um a few moments here and there it's it's entertaining uh, yeah if you're into that sort of thing i <laughs> i it's one of those things where some things that happen are so unpleasant and just so dark and kind of ugly that happen within the movie it's almost hard to engage with it sometimes but yeah. it's it definitely is original i think and it definitely goes in places where i didn't expect and definitely surprises and the ending i actually really like i think the ending is actually very funny and um <laughs> kind of clever and ridiculous but it's it's a <laughs> It's definitely a movie with a message and it hammers that message in. It's uh, not as bad as like, say, a movie like the recent uh, Black Christmas where it's definitely like, I'm going to hammer this in. Because this is, it does. Can things get much worse than that, Jordan? I don't think they can. Have told us. (laughs) The important thing is that this is a good movie first. And so uh, it definitely has a good idea and it's entertaining to watch for the most part. And and so the message, you don't mind it. And it's, it's, you know, not a bad message at all or anything like that. Just when a movie hammers it into you, you get, you tend to get annoyed. And it's just, uh, because it's a good movie, you're willing to kind of take, let it take you where it wants to go. But it's, it's, it's a good movie. I recommend it. If you're into kind of like those black comedies that are just like, they have these moments where you're just like, Oh, (laughs) I'm unsettled. But uh, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg has had a strange career. <laughs> he has been in a strange assortment of movies. Uh huh. Yeah. From uh, this to uh, Batman vs Superman. That <laughs> there was a there was a movie. I mean, of course, The Social Network, Zombieland. Yeah. You know, movies that we've enjoyed. Um, but what was the movie? It was him. Was yeah. It, he was in with uh Gosh, I'm forgetting. I should just keep looking through it. Um, it was where he had like some kind of superpowers or something. Like he gets it. I can't remember the name. Oh my of god! It, but what movie? I really this? enjoyed that movie. Um, I'm looking through. He's been in so many movies. It's crazy. Yeah, this guy works. I mean, he plays a type that I think when he he's playing to it, he plays that type well. I mean, it, it is that kind of like American mild, Ultra. Yeah. I've never seen that movie, so yeah. that's uh. Yeah, with uh, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, you know, he's been in a lot of great movies. And, like, it sucks that um, things turned out the way it did with Batman v Superman and he played it the way. I mean, I don't blame him too much. I mean, I think it was a direction thing where they were like, hey, do this. Mm -hmm. And then he did that and it was like, we don't like that. somebody that nobody wants to watch. Yeah, be a version of Lex Luthor that pleases no one. (laughs) pleases me and me alone whoever that was <laughs> yeah um I, i'm not gonna hold it against him he's actually really good at when he plays the characters that he should play i'm not saying he can't go out of the box but i don't know maybe he shouldn't who knows i don't know i enjoy him but whatever that's uh i recommend yeah. that if you're into like dark comedies which i'm not really like honestly when i hear dark comedy i think ooh. I don't know if I'm going to be, yeah. I think it's probably going to be pretentious. Jokes that are going to be more like just offensive than they are funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is yeah. aimed. This is like a really hurtful. I don't know. Really hurtful kind of humor. I, I don't know. I shouldn't throw that around, but it this really is the end to me is like the epitome of a dark comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and didn't it, enjoy that movie at all. And I hear how dark it is and I'm like, eh, maybe I shouldn't. And yeah. so I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is for that kind of movie. This isn't bad. Um, I finished. I rolled credits and finished uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
Um, so I think I can give a little bit, I've already been given my thoughts and all those thoughts that I've had, how amazing the graphics are and how great the combat system is, that all remains. Um, I do have some problems here and there with the story, but overall, I am very pleased with it. I think this is such a big project. And the fact, it's so strange that they're turning one game into a series, but I think for what they're doing is... Uh, it seems to be working all right. I'm excited for the next one. I feel like I've played a whole game. I, it was about 35 hours for playing. Uh, when you say the next one, the next remake, or they're making a sequel to this version? Yeah, so this, in the original game, the events that transpire in uh, the remake in the original lasts only a few hours. In this game, it's 35. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And so um, it will continue on to finish their narrative so they over just took part of a game and made it into a full game basically yeah i mean honestly that sounds like a nightmare that sounds like hobbit doing it like we're gonna talk about lord of the rings later this sounds sounds like doing a peter jackson hobbit where you take a mm-hmm. shorter story and blow it up into three movies and uh i don't know maybe that can work in a in a game in a gaming format because i i honestly i don't see that being a problem i think there are a few things that I would have done differently, but making it like all one game, I don't think would be one of my, I actually enjoy the fact that it's expanded. This is coming, but coming from someone who has not played the original, which by the way, after playing this game, I am actually kind of pushed into playing the original. I'm going to play the original now. It's inspired me to do so. I'm going to do that on the switch. Um, not out of a way where I'm like, Oh geez. Uh, this sucks. I want to play the original and I hear that's good. No, th- I, it's more of a companion piece to this because I do, because mm-hmm. it feels like there is something that like people who play the original are in on. If you play the remake, there's little winks and nods where it does seem that if um, you have played the original, they're thinking about you, not in a way where it's like you're playing it and you're like, what's going on? Oh, you should play the original. Not in that kind of way, but I feel like you might see where they're going a little bit more or you might, it might hit at a few things that you might be missing because something, I'm not going to spoil anything about this game, but something that they're clearly doing. This is like a departure where um, it's, it's going to become less of a remake and more of a reinvention. Um, they definitely are going to veer in different ways um, mm. from the story away from what the original did in different ways obviously like they're almost meta about that and that i get but there are a few things where like they do they'll obviously do something different that's not in the original um and as someone who has like vague knowledge of some of the things that transpire in the original final fantasy 7 i i'm like ooh, okay so they're clearly doing something different but i don't know to what extent because i don't understand that original very much but they're clearly being like ooh, this is different but i don't really know the full yeah. like <laughs> the, how, how to what extent that is different because i just haven't fully played that original game but i'm going to uh, before that uh, new one comes out which um i hope is sooner than later when i say sooner than later i hope it's maybe a year Within or two the next five years yeah yeah exactly i hope it's not uh, uh kingdom Hearts three or however long i hope it's not this super long the final fantasy seven remake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I heard uh, someone on a YouTube channel. I'm trying to give him a shout out because I'm trying. Uh, Dreamcast guy. He said that he thinks that when they say Final Fantasy remake, it's almost like how um, a lot of people will say they have a colon, like Captain America: Winter Soldier, and the next game might be like a different title instead of like uh, 
well, instead of it being remake two, it might be something like um, revolution or reincarnation or something like that. And so that as like a subtitle and not like a, not a categorization to say it's a remake, I think mm-hmm. actually works because they're like, they're remaking the, hmm, the way things go in a little bit. And so I, I'm, I'm very uh, doing doing more than just remastering. You mean exactly? It's not a remaster. Yeah. How like you play uh, in the Halo Two remaster and it's the same game, uh, but Master Chief like Collection. Nicer. Yeah, it's just all the games brought together. Yeah, HD upgrades. Yeah, it's not like that. It's very much like this is a in a way a reimagining almost. Um, not maybe not to the extent of uh, the remade black christmas was to the original to where it's a completely different thing but yeah. uh to where they're doing some new stuff and good you know i, I like the what's new- your sorry what, what's no, your ahead. overall thought just on this like theme of doing this you know whether it's capcom or was it square is that yeah. who's doing this um mm-hmm. or it's probably a third party i'm guessing is that right because a lot of times these companies will hire another company to help them that was the original. That's what I've intent. heard. Yeah. yeah, this one in particular is 100% in-house. It started as being this out-of-house mm-hmm. thing, but I think it just grew. The director of this is actually the same person who directs the Kingdom Hearts games, uh, Tetsuo yeah. Nomura. And so this is 100% in-house. This is their main project right now as Final Fantasy goes. They haven't said anything about Final Fantasy 15. This is, this is it. And it really does feel like it. When you play it, you're like, this is a triple A game as it gets <laughs> it's one of the most triple a games i've played honestly and, and so this is the the dinner as far as uh, but uh, when you so what's your thought about them taking all this time to like do this versus like you know working on the next resident evil or the next final fantasy or working on you know final fantasy 15 2 dash 2 or you know whatever it is because you know since 15 was accept- seemed like it was accepted so much and people really enjoyed it yeah, um, this is a um, thing, isn't it? You know, like these studios that are taking this time to remake classic games. I mean, we've seen in Shadow of Colossus, obviously Resident Evil 2 and 3. Seems a lot with the Japanese companies too. As well. mm-hmm. I haven't seen this as much with the American companies. Well, that, that being said though, uh, oh, what was the, uh, the Ubisoft game, which is a French company, but they did, oh, it's... It's the one after the bombs drop. Basically, their sequel to the game was the exact same world, but post-nuclear holocaust, basically. Oh, shoot. What game is this? Uh, Far Cry. Far Cry Far- um, 5. There was this, the next game after Far Cry 5 was whatever it was. They named it something, you know, Far Cry New, New Dawn. New Dawn, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And it was Far Cry 5, but the bombs had dropped at the end of Far Cry 5, which I didn't play. Spoiler alert, sorry, that game's two years old now. Too bad. <laughs> so <laughs> New Dawn was, this is what I heard at least on the podcast that was explaining that. And apparently it was, they, they really did take all the parts of the game and just remade it in this like new, like everything was blossoming and growing after the bombs had dropped. And so, you know, you had new protagonists and everyone obviously was dead. And, you know, the few people that had survived were weird and all this stuff. But just just saying like that's the only other example I can kind of think of in, you know, recent times when somebody's done this like these Capcom and Square are doing right now. So I, yeah. I don't know if this is a new thing or not, but I guess me personally, like just my take on it would be that, I, I don't know, I kind of like people working on the next thing for me. Like mm-hmm. I would, I really, as much as I like enjoyed Halo 
or Call of Duty, like like Call of Duty took Modern Warfare, but really they made an entirely new game with a new name and they took some of the old characters, but they made a whole new game. Like it's not based off any of the other things. It's it's a prequel to all the stuff. So it's a whole new story that was never told. So I guess my preference is just that like they move on, but you know, I'm not a fan of Final Fantasy, so maybe it'd be different. But I, I know like I don't think I would want like that done with like Halo. I guess that would be a good example where like that's a beloved game where there's a lot you could probably go back and explore inside the first Halo game. Mm-hmm. Right. Wouldn't that be a good example of kind of like taking Final Fantasy seven and like going in this new direction with it? Okay. Yeah. Yes. And no, I think there's a few like examples of that. Like what you said with new Dawn, uh, what they, they actually did do that before with far cry primal. They actually took the, it's a different story, but they took the exact same map from far cry 4 and reskinned it to a new Mm -hmm. game so it's a similar thing but then there's what you're talking about with a a game that's uh they've taken it from the ground up and completely like updated the graphics but it's the same story uh that would be like something like uh shoot shadow of the colossus i think is a good example of that so when with Mm -hmm. that um i honestly going into it it really depends on the game is and how my love for the gameplay is but going into shadow was that a remaster or was that a retelling like what what was that the shadow of colossus one it's a it's a re it's not it's like somewhere in between so they didn't take the game and like up res the textures or anything like that they complete they took the game and took it from the ground up and replaced it with uh modern gen uh assets and so it's this like there's nothing in that game that's different from the original but every single like texture every single build building block is made with modern uh modern assets and so it looks beautiful and it looks like a completely new game but it plays and the the story structure is 100% exactly like the old one and as far as that goes if you want to play it if you want to play that old game it's there and it looks great but yeah it's not a new game whereas Final Fantasy 7 it they not only completely redid everything they're also changing the story i mean as someone who's only played like the first few hours of of final fantasy 7 it feels like a completely different thing it feels like a new game it feels like a next gen game it feels like something new and so for for doing a final fantasy 7 like if it's that level of care and attention and also going into bold new directions i'm i'm game but when it comes to yeah the if they completely just continued in like the shadow of the colossus resident evil you know 3 and now they're talking about doing 4 um and and remake and like remaking that from the ground up too yeah it gets to the point where you're like, does that need it? Like, honestly, as someone who loves Kingdom Hearts, that game's been remastered, like, a couple times. And But would I want Tetsu Nomura to come out and be like, hey, then for the next game in the Kingdom Hearts franchise, we're going back, and we're updating Kingdom Hearts 1 with new-gen graphics. I would kind of be like, yeah, I'd uh, rather have Kingdom Hearts 4. You know what I mean? I'd rather have yeah. that if I'm going to play the exact same thing. I have those games. They look good enough. I'll, I can just go back and play those. But I, it just kind of depends on how dated the original is. If it's hard to go well, back. My, my point was like Halo was from 2001. So mm-hmm. like I was saying, what from what it sounds like is like somebody comes back to Halo and says, okay, we're going to make a new game based on Halo 1, but we're going to go in a new direction. We're going to show a new perspective inside the events that happened to Halo 1. That sounds exactly like what Final Fantasy 7 is, right? Wouldn't that it's, be fair? Um, I, I, it's more than that. Um, it's because like, okay, so for instance, the 
it's just in every single way it's a new game whereas in like the original final fantasy it was very much your this 3d character running around these like uh pre-rendered sometimes like still images and while in this game it's a behind the back completely 3d um non-turn-based action rpg where it's like almost it's like it's almost like they took certain things like small things from the gameplay as in like how you level up your character and implemented them. But they had to do like, honestly, one of the biggest praises I have for final fantasy seven is their combat system. It, they have done something so new as far as a, an, a JRPG that I'm actually floored. I'm very impressed. I have nothing but praise for the combat system. I think it's brilliant the way they've interwoven, um, action RPG, like kind of almost Twitch gameplay to have a turn-based feel every now and then when you select your abilities and your spells. I think it's just, it feels so good. And they had to come up with something completely new. And so someone obviously poured their creativity and uh, their experience into crafting that. And, and it, it is just insanely new. And so I, it's almost apples and oranges. When I think of Final Fantasy Remake, in any other remake I've ever played. Like, it is just beyond anything. It's almost redefined um, the word remake in a way because with all, every other remake that I've ever played, I'm like, this is the same game, but there's some quality of life improvements. It looks much nicer. It looks great. And it's, you know, this more cinematic maybe. Um, but it's this, you know, it's the same game for the most part. This is, I, I've never seen it to this extent. Um, is what I, what what I will say, and so it's almost in a league of its own. I, I would say, as far as uh, remakes are concerned, I've never really seen anything like it. Um, but yeah, it's it's almost created a new category. How we've talked about games that are uh, reskinned to be a new story, games that are remastered, just touched up the textures, and then games where like here's the same game but modern textures, modern graphics, maybe some quality of life improvements to the gameplay. Uh, but this is, I don't know, I've never seen it. But it, it's an interesting Glad new you're world. enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that being said, there's a big difference. Uh, if, if it's that, if it's that love and care, um, go for it. But that being said, this is uh, also a game that I have not played fully. So it is new to me in a lot of ways, regardless to what they could have done. You know, it could have been the same story, honestly, and it still would have been new to me. So possibly I'm not the best person to ask as far as Final Fantasy VII is concerned but as far as the gameplay is it's just completely different i i played enough to where i can be like this is a new game as far as that's concerned but anyways um what have you been watching slash playing luke um so i kind of wanted to start maybe and maybe we even we dedicate like a show to let's just like talk about this because i know this is something <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> something you and i are passionate about and think the same in some ways and probably you're more passionate about it than i am in other ways but uh just music like it's something you know you mentioned one album a little while ago a few weeks ago and i don't know i was kind of thinking this week when i was listening like i listened to quite a bit of mu music along with podcasts um and i just think i, I just think it'd be cool if we could you know just 
feature music in like right in with what we're talking about anyways. Cause I know, I know you and you're always listening to music and I mm-hmm. certainly am as well. You know, a lot of times during the week when I'm not around anybody. So listening to them, I just got some new AirPod pro by the way. So oh, that's wow. one, one kind of cool thing to mention and huge thumbs up. I, I really enjoy them. They're what I was hoping, you know, earbuds would be They're exactly what I like They're, they have noise cancellation. They also have the, uh, um, transparency mode, which there's an actual mic that picks up like the noise outside and amplifies it into your ear. So like the little foam, you know, inserts uh-huh. instead of blocking out the sound, it actually brings it straight into your ear. So you can have a normal conversation. Sometimes I actually think I can hear people better than I could with them off, which is, it's weird to say, but it's wow. something you just kind of have to experience. But the, the noise cancellation of course is just really great. And I mean, it's, I know it could be better. It doesn't block out all sound, but it, it blocks out probably 70% of what, you know, you would hear without it. So it's really cool. It shoots that anti-noise into your ear and, you know, blocks out a lot of noise. So yeah, I've been lusting after those. So congratulations. If if you can save up the money, man, it is, they're the best earbuds I've ever had in my ears. And, you know, I, I love over the ear headphones. I have mine on right now. Um, you know, I've never gotten a really nice pair. I love those, but just they kind of get hot. You know, they get hot and yeah. heavy. And so it's like having these tiny little earbuds that you can carry around in your pocket and just like slap them in whenever you're, you know, by yourself and want to listen to something is really cool. It's, I think it's a cool thing that Apple's done. And, you know, a lot of companies have made some great ones as well. Um, Anchor is, is one I would recommend people if they're looking for earbuds. Um, Anchor makes some that are like 50, 60 bucks and they last four hours and they're small earbuds, just like the AirPods. They mm. don't have anything that hangs out like the AirPods, but they, they pick up sound pretty darn well. I've been on phone calls with people and they say they sound great. And so if, if anybody's looking for a cheaper option too, those are only 50, 60 bucks. And they're really good on Amazon. So anyways, on to my pick. Um, the Dangerous Summer is a band that I have enjoyed for many years. Mm. And they're a band that uh, I, I know you've listened to them some, and but yeah. I've, I've I've really gotten into them in the last couple of years. Like you know, I was kind of listening to them, but like they've come out with an album last year in 2019 called Mother Nature that I was listening to quite a bit this week, and I think it is an album that people need to know about. It is really good all the way through. I would say there's probably not a single bad song on the album but there are a couple songs that are just excellent if you if you enjoy like taking back summer kind of music um taking back summer taking back (laughs) sun taking back sunday (laughs) taking back sunday type of music but you you know you miss the days of old where brand new taking back sunday those kind of bands um were playing you know early mid 2000s when you and i of course were together a lot more and in school and listening to music and hanging out with our buddies um, that, you know, if you miss those kind of days, these guys I think are kind of t- carrying the torch for those like warp tour t- style bands where it's kind of emo, you know, a little bit harder rock, not hard rock at all, mm-hmm. but like, you know, emo, like hard rock, not like emo punk, like emo soft rock, like, like dashboard confessional or, um, you know, some of the lighter bands like that. But if you really like Taking Back Sunday, this is a band I think anybody who likes that band, who I think is just one of the best emo bands ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> is. But The Dangerous Summer is a current band that's coming out with current music and I think is in 
a really creative point in their career right now because they're coming out with singles that are excellent. I mean, all their albums are really good, but I think they've really knocked it out of the park with this last album. So starting over slash slow down that song. Oh man, that's my, that's my jam as well as mother nature and better light. Those two songs I think are great, but the entire album all the way through is great. So if you're looking for music, you really can't go wrong with any other albums. Um, but man, this last one, so good. I've been kind of wanting some stuff like this. Cause you know, you talked about how bands like this are carrying the torch for like those kind of warp tour bands. I mean, it honestly, it's like, what else do we have? I mean, it's like how in the nineties we had alternate raw alternative rock. And then that kind of people moved past yeah. that. And it became like, you know, bands like, yeah, taking back Sunday and uh, it went very emo for a while. Yeah. And, but now, I mean, what do you say? I mean, I just looked at, you know, they were talking about Spotify list of the decade and billboard. And they were talking about the top 10 rock songs. And I was looking at that list and it was almost yeah. like, those are rock songs. <laughs> you know, it's almost like it doesn't yeah. exist now. And so you have yeah. to go back to like, to this point where it's like, you never hear this stuff on the radio. <laughs> That's no, for sure. no. it's far from mainstream. <laughs> far from mainstream and so yeah every now and then i'll listen to, to stuff like that for sure because it's like where what else am i getting any of my like non-pop kind of stuff i mean because really it's easy to come by pop it's everywhere but yeah rock, rock? and rap i mean rap has taken over you know oh, and, yeah. and i like some rap i have nothing wrong with it. i have no problem with rap music you know i enjoy it um you know it's not my main category but you know i can understand why people enjoy it but i do think it's taken over way too far it's it's to a point where it's like it's all you hear on the radio is r&b rap or the like these super pop poppy songs that all sound very similar in my opinion yeah so i i i hope there's still fans like us that are you know helping these guys stay alive and you know pay their bills because music like this you know i'm just picking one band i mean there's there's a ton of bands that you know i could talk about that i'd listen to on spotify but unfortunately a lot of them are a lot smaller you know they don't have the venues they don't have the audience that they used to have i feel like at least when that they used to have when we were growing up so mm -hmm. yeah this this is one of the few bands i think that are super current and they're making new music right now like this album just came out last year and it's so good you know and i i really hope to go see them at some point when life is somewhat normal <laughs> yeah when that's a possibility uh quick shout out to ace ender of all the like the, these people who are like i i'll always look at their stuff ace ender the lead singer of uh, uh the early november and i can make a best like nobody's business i'll always look at whatever mm -hmm. he's doing and he's freaking awesome i, I gotta listen to him on the reg anyway sorry <laughs> he is just a musician through and through i will listen to that song uh starting over slowing down immediately after this podcast is over <laughs> So thank you. That whole album's so good. I mean, it's it's really cool. He takes you on an emotional journey. It's like it it starts off with this. Yeah. Anyways, you'll have to listen to it. So I will. I've learned that during this time, for some people, uh, music has is being neglected a little bit because like if you don't listen to music in the house uh, constantly, you'll you'll miss it because like I started playing music over our um, our um, Amazon Echo. And so, and Amber was like, oh my God, I haven't listened to music in like a long time. Cause like music is a part of her like daily commute to work. And now that she's staying home, it's like a piece that's missing. And so I'm going to try to be more intentional of playing music through the house every now and then, like when I'm cooking or something. Oh yeah. We bought uh, six new Google homes so that nice. we can do the whole home audio and that's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
So this other one, I actually just like jumped onto Mixer when I had locked into Xbox and just like saw somebody playing this. And it took all of like five seconds of me watching them playing it to be like, yep, I want that game. So <laughs> this was the, uh, well, 20 of the $25 that you and your wife gave to me for my birthday. This this is what that paid for. Ah. This is a little game that just came to PlayStation uh, 4 and Xbox One called Stranded Deep which is a survival open world survival craft game, which is kind of a category that's kind of like my, like, you know, most of my playing is in the shooter world, but Uh when I'm not shooting, like this is one that I've tended more and more to go to these open world crafting games. There's another one called the long dark, which I think I told you about, which I really enjoy. It's another game that was made on the, uh, the open source engine, I'm blanking on the name of it. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's open source 3D world engine that, you know, you you don't have to pay the rights to, you know, like a uh, Unreal Engine where basically a smaller team can make a really good looking game in a 3D world and have a lot of assets exist in it. Mm. You know, they don't get the quality of Unreal Engine, but honestly, it's good enough. And it's... No freaking kidding. I'm looking at this thing while you're talking about it. Just yeah. look at the trailer. <laughs> Looks darn impressive. Yeah, and and for for an indie team to be able to make this all the way back in 2015 as well as now a five year old game, and for it to look that good, it just it's so encouraging to me. Like that these games can exist. And I think I said literally the exact same thing about the Long Dark. Um, so the Long Dark is a game, just so people know that that happens in the wilderness of Canada. You crash in a plane. There's like a story mode, but then there's also like a just drop you into wherever you want and you just survive and it's as simple as that you just you make your own story you go around you try to find resources you try to survive as if you were that person Mm. and it's pretty interactive and cool but this game actually as old as it is it actually takes all those things that the long dark did that i enjoyed to a whole nother level so this game always kind of starts in the same way you're on this plane. It shows this little scene. It's it's basically Lost, you know. Not yeah. that Lost started that way, but it's basically the idea of you know everyone was on the plane. In this case, you're a single person on a private airplane that goes down, and so it it always starts with you sitting there, and then all of a sudden the you know the plane opens up and it crashes, and then you're in the ocean, and you have to make your way up, and then you get in the lifeboat, and then you wake up in a lifeboat, and you have to paddle your way over to to one of the islands. And so the idea is there's like islands around you, and you can see these islands. Mm. So you can choose you know which island you want to start off at. You're kind of close to one island, so you can go to that island if you want, or you can go to another island. There's actually a crashed ship that I found that's you can, you can just see these silhouettes in the distance, you know, some are a little bit closer, some are a little bit farther. So there's all these different places you can choose to survive. So once you choose the place that you want to go, typically an Island, you, there's, there's a tutorial that will guide you through things to do. I I've now played through it five or six times. So I've turned the tutorial off now because I understand how to play. So you, you, survive you have all the normal things that would happen to a human being that's on an island you need water you don't want to get too much sun you need to find a way to eat you need to find a way to fish you need to build yourself you know somewhere to stay if you go online obviously from jordan's expressions he's been (laughs) looking at some of the pictures but you can you can kind of see what what it looks like and kind of what those things you know how those things happen but you uh get more and more complicated as you go on and the idea is you need to escape let's go Hmm. You 
you quickly, as you play the game, you'll, you'll see that you can find vehicle parts for a helicopter. And you can put that together. And I, I haven't gotten this far, but you can actually fly that helicopter from island to island. Dang. And the parts for an airplane that is hidden somewhere in the map are actually out there. And so if you can get that airplane put together, put your food and water, you can actually escape and win the game. So it's, it's an incredibly realistic game. You, you have to put on SPF to stay, you know, from getting sunburned. You have to Dang. keep yourself away from snakes on the island that will bite you. Um, wild hogs, there's bats, there's um, stingrays. There's just, it's incredible how interactive it is. It's, it's clearly an indie game, but an indie game that was well thought out. They use, you know, what they're able to do in a really clever, unique way. So so far, I've really enjoyed it. And if you if you like survival games, this is this is a great one. I think it's ridiculous what an indie game can be in 2020. Um, just even like thinking back like 10 years ago, it, yeah. it is like you look this at would something have been unbelievable. You know, 10 <laughs> yeah, years ago. I, I love it. It would have been something they had worked on for five years. One of the largest company developers in the world would have took forever to make something like this. So exactly, I I, cool. I love it. I just love how like we've gotten to this point with gaming where indie studios have the tools to make something that looks this good and can be this good. It's that's so cool. Yeah. But yeah. Games looks like great. Cuphead as well are like just yeah. really cool things that, you know, a small family can make in their home. And then it's, you know, one of the biggest indie games to ever come out. So yeah. shout out to Cuphead. <laughs> shout out to Cuphead. Drive by shout out. Great game. <laughs> I, I think that like every single year, it's it just like, people will say like oh my gosh any indie games are like just so great it's so great that all these indie games that are here and i feel like it's just more and more i mean i don't i'm not a pc gamer and like i don't have steam apparently it's just polluted oh, but like the no. the ones that are i wish are, i did yeah apparently a lot of great experiences there but mm-hmm. like it's just so Stuff like awesome. this probably yeah, this the fact that people can pour out their creativity in like something that will come out that will look this good that where you look at it and you're like, I don't see a huge difference. Because back, yeah. you know, back in the day, you know, you'd play an indie game and you're like, yep, clearly an indie game. But like now it's yeah. like, I mean, it's clearly not what Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but it's, you're not playing yeah. it and going, I don't like looking at this, but it looks, you know, mm-hmm. creative. No, it, you're, you can make a game and, yeah, it really does look pretty darn good. Like the the textures on his skin when he puts his watch up, which like monitors your vitals, like changes with the sun. Mm. Like it's he starts getting sunscreen or sunburn like on his skin, and it's like it's amazing that you know an engine like that, an open world, an open source engine like that is able to do those kind of things, small details like that. So, heck yeah, and uh, yeah. I love I'm a sucker for good looking water in a game. Anytime there's like good looking water, I'm like, oh, this looks really nice. Um, I always think of a probably my favorite example of like the best looking water in a game is a uh, Sea of Thieves. I think Sea of Thieves has some yeah. really good looking water. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, this looks good. I don't know if it looks that good. <laughs> hmm. I don't think anything does yet. I think that's top of the game as far as water is concerned. (laughs) So the final thing was what I had talked about last week. So Tales from the Loop, I made a priority to watch. Tried to watch the whole show. I did not watch the whole show. I got five episodes down, so five out of the eight I've watched. So I think I have enough down that I can speak somewhat um, authoritatively about the show. 
So this show is pretty good. It's it's got the first episode I kind of struggled to connect with. I, I felt like the way it was scripted was lackluster. I don't know. The uh <laughs> the way the characters were interacting just didn't get me as excited. It was a really cool story that was just scripted in a way it was like what? That doesn't feel natural at all. You know, like the way people are responding and talking to each other is kind of like, eh, I don't know. But then episode two, three, four, I really enjoyed. I thought it like stepped its game up. It felt like a different director took over. Hmm. Maybe I, they I did. Think, <laughs> I, I think they do. I think like it, it says in the IMDb, like creator Nathan, Nathan Halpern. So I'm I'm thinking like he, you know, has this vision, but he's letting other directors kind of you know put his vision down episode to episode and so the idea is you're like in this world that's this one small town in ohio that's around this place called the loop and that's kind of what i talked about last week you know reading off the synopsis Mm -hmm. so the loop is this mysterious machine that even now after five episodes i don't really understand but you get these small short glimpses into what they're working on down there but obviously the loop is having some effect on the general area because there's these strange machines that are found in episodes that affect people's lives. And basically people's lives are just kind of put into a spin because of probably what's happening at the loop. It's, it's very unclear. It's very mysterious. Mm. Um, what I'm blanking on the name of the show that you really enjoyed that they just rebooted CBS twilight it, zone. It, yeah. It's very much twilight zone. It, it's very much a modern take on like, just having an interesting idea and turning an entire episode in not, not quite as dark as twilight zone, I think sometimes gets, but you know, definitely more light. Like there's not a lot of death and there's not like these like creepy things, but it's very sci-fi heavy, you know, Mm. where twilight zone sometimes I think can go into the creepy realm. It's, it doesn't really have any of that, but it it definitely has like, you take all those things from twilight zone and just like lean on the sci-fi. And that's what this show is. And like I said, it's there. There's a middling quality sometimes, but at at some points, I would say the quality is is really there. So, the 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 cast is excellent. I would say they all do a great job. Uh, Rebecca mm. Hall plays plays a big part in it, as well as the uh, the guy from Parks and Rec. Paul Schneider is his name. He mm-hmm. pay, played the uh, was it the architect in Parks and Rec? It's like season one, right? Yeah, I think yeah, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. in like the beginning of the show. Yeah, he like pieced out. Yeah, yeah, uh, Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would definitely recommend this if you like sci-fi. I mean, so far this, this show's been great. It's it's still got a lot of mystery, and that's what I always love about shows like this. I, I just I don't want to know what's going on until the very end, and I think mm. that's what they're going to give me. So yeah, highly recommend. I wasn't a big fan of episode five. It just I don't know. It's kind of a little weird, but yeah, most of it has been really good. Certainly worth streaming. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. I feel like that's, I, I like anthology shows for that. I mean, cause like if you find the, uh, like how their storytelling is compelling, you can kind of just dive in to it and you don't need to like, <laughs> even if you like fall off for a little bit, you can always jump back in and like kind of go back into that world. So that's so, so this is a little different. So it's, it is taking different stories from different people, but they're all in the same world. So they all have one through line of story, 
but it's like you're finding out who these people are what their experiences are and those things kind of affect the main storyline in some way so it's like we're kind of like like if here's the main idea it's like we're over here we're over here we're over here like doing these little things Mm -hmm. but they all are like contributing into like what the main mystery and like what you'll kind of see in the first episode like what's going on and like that's all like a theme through the other stories that they tell it's like they they really like try to tease you in the beginning it's like this some crazy things are happening and then they're like okay well let's tell you about this guy and then let's tell you about this girl and then we'll tell you about this person so kind of plays yeah, it both ways a little interesting. bit interesting yeah it's kind of a kind of a different way of doing it that is cool. I like that. And it's not, not like, you know, in Twilight Zone and the time enough at last episode after the, yeah. the world blows up. It's not like the next episode has to deal with the fallout yeah. or anything like that. They yeah. just tell another story. It's, but this is like they have canon interspersed into their different uh, stories and how they're dealing with whatever uh, sci-fi. Yeah. Is. But in the same way, the Twilight Zone like takes an interesting idea, you know, for each episode and says like, okay, well, let's talk about something that has to do with this. And, you know, let's make a cool story about this. They do that. But at the same time, these characters are in the same world. So, yeah. Right on. That does sound good. Um, I'll probably check it out. I told I will pull, throw you out there first and see what you thought of it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look for sure. There's All we have is time, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, so it's kind of randomly. I mean, I feel like we might do this from time to time to kind of like go back and talk about a classic series or uh, just for no reason. Like, for instance, I feel like though a lot of people with time on their hands will go back and watch something that uh, as long as Lord of the Rings. So um, recently, me and Amber kind of like in a weekend went through um, uh, Lord of the Rings extended edition. And uh, I thought we'd talk about Lord of the Rings a little bit and kind of in a general way, not so much that we're reviewing them. I mean, these movies have been out for how long now? Like almost 20 years. We're getting there in like a few years. It'll be like these mm-hmm. the 20th year anniversary. 2001. That's crazy. I know. And and so. <laughs> Seems like yesterday. So Luke, what, what is your history with the Lord of the Rings as far as the, this franchise goes or this uh, trilogy? When I heard the movie was coming out, that was the first I'd ever heard of it. For some reason, you know, I was homeschooled in my younger, younger years. You know, high school, I went to an actual school. But um, yeah, growing up, I read a lot of books, but this is just not one I explored. Um, Narnia was a big thing for me. So like all those were like super, you know, I I, I was super familiar with them when those movies Mm -hmm. came out because that was something I'd grown up on. But for some reason, Tolkien just wasn't one that my mom, I guess, was a fan of or something. She just never made me aware when I was younger. So 2001, we were, what what were we, like 12, 13, something yeah. like that at that point. So, yeah, this was, uh, the, the movies were the introduction for me. So a, a good introduction they were, if I do say so myself. But, yeah, I didn't know anything about it before then. Yeah, I mean, me neither. I mean... Honestly, it's one of those things where it's like right now we have those books. We just recently bought the um, series of books with the intention of obviously reading them, but they're still, they sit there um, when we have uh, the time to read them, we will. But um, I have never read Mm -hmm. the books. um, And just like you, when that trailer came out, 
with uh, I remember the the only thing I remember from the trailer is when the uh, Frodo's hiding from the cave troll, and you know he does that classic thing where he's like, oh he's not over there, and then he turns and the cave troll's in his face, and I remember that being like my grabber. Like I remember seeing this movie in theaters with my mom, and uh, I remember being like pretty blown away at the time, and uh, I remember like the the ring wraiths and the how like their screech i remember at the time i was like mm-hmm. oh my god this is freaking intense and yeah. um and after that i remember like every other time i'd see those movies it would be with like you and like a couple of our friends like joseph and, and mm-hmm. andrew seeing like the two towers and return of the king but the funny thing is after that like when they were on home video i uh i for some reason i became like a curmudgeon towards them i don't know why it was like i had this attitude towards them i think like i i dated um, this girl at the time and she was like she was in love with those those uh those mm-hmm. books she's in love with the movies yep. yeah and and um we watched them in a marathon i'm talking like one day we watched yep. the theatrical <laughs> release in a marathon and after that i was like if i hear one more person talking like that i'm gonna freaking <laughs> lose it and i became like a curmudgeon and i didn't watch lord of the rings for years i'm talking about years and then like a few years ago maybe like five or six years ago i sat down i was like all right you know it's time to watch lord of the rings i watched the extended editions and they're like all right these are probably good movies i'm just being a little bit weird and probably good movies yeah yeah i know it's crazy to think about it really is and after they might be all right <laughs> and at that time, um, watching Return of the King, when I finally got there, extended edition, credits are rolling, and I'm freaking like... Just cr- tears are streaming. I, no, 100%. <laughs> I am crying in this moment because I'm like, I'm just like, wow, what a journey. It is an I've emotional moment. It is. Yeah. I was an idiot in that moment when I decided to be a curmudgeon about Lord of the Rings. These movies are freaking amazing. This they is really are. this is my favorite trilogy of all time, and it's such a weird thing because we haven't gotten anything like this. Have you thought about time. that? That's definitely true. Yeah, it, well, it's no, definitely it, your favorite trilogy. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, as far as it's 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 strange, like going back to it. I mean, you know, as far as trilogies go, I mean, what strong trilogies we have we have the indiana jones trilogy we have the star wars trilogies we have the back to the future trilogies um i mean we have a few others like the matrix or whatever but like as far as the die hard hard, yeah as far as those goes yeah lord of the rings is number one with a bullet i mean it's just for me uh i just think there's something about it that is just so timeless and just so every single movie is just oozing with quality and grandeur that I, when I watch them, I'm just like, it, it's almost, it's so strange because it's unlike any movie I've ever watched, especially if you watch the extended edition. But even if you don't like when you kind of review them critically from like a um, pacing perspective, they're so long. They're so yeah. indulgent. They're yeah. so indulgent, but almost like it almost defies that criticism in a way because these are like, it's like an experience almost. I know that's. <laughs> they, they do. They tell so much though, even though they're so long, there is a lot to tell. There's a lot of details. It's like, we were kind of talking about it before. It's like the Hobbit, like that's a different thing. You know? mm-hmm. Like it does feel like they, they, you know, stay on little things for way too long. Whereas like this, these three movies, like they're telling so many details about so many characters and that's i think one of the things that makes it so amazing it's like this is a 
really filled out movie. All three of them are super filled out movies where they're telling a lot of detail, but about so many things, not just about one little thing where you're like, okay, we get it. We get that, you know, the Shire is this awesome place. No, like they tell just enough about it to where it's like, wow, that like really set the stage for me. And, and then we're moving on to the next thing, you know, we're developing the fellowship and we're meeting <laughs> all these amazing characters, but yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's like they're establishing this lore that feels it feels real in a way. It's like, it's so, I'd be tearing my hair out. Like for instance, in the extended edition, um, the, the, you know, after they have the, um, the kind of the history of the ring and they talk about all the, the rings of men, the rings of elves and all that stuff. And then like they, and the, how the theatrical cut goes after, you know, they tell the story of the ring, it just cuts to Frodo meeting Gandalf. But in the extended edition, it's just so overindulgent and so long, but I am smiling ear to ear when, when Bilbo's like telling that chapter, chapter one concerning mm-hmm. hobbits and they he talks about all the hobbits i'm just smiling my head off just because there's so much love and attention to this and i don't i it's it's weird that i just haven't i don't know if i've seen anything like it in the last uh since these movies are before honestly i mean that sounds like hype like overpraise, but i don't know there's just so much love and care in these movies that you just can't help but even get sucked into little things even though there's so much meat I don't think there's been a trilogy since then though, that has been, you know, these, these books that are like these novel works of art, you know, that are like go down in history as these like incredible works of fantasy or fiction. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been anything like that. You know, there's been some great movies that have come out, but typically they're one movie or, you know, an, an original movie, you know, based on an original screenplay instead of, you know, something like this, that's, you know, a book that's, you know, a hundred years old and is incredibly good. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's not apples to apples. Like you said, there hasn't been anything to even compete with it because there hasn't been anything, you know, close to that kind of quality made. So. And that's like in movies in general, and like spanning all genres. But the funny thing is you narrow that down to fantasy like what are you even talking yeah. about like what movies are you even talking about willow <laughs> you know it's like what is yeah. there and in, in, game in of the thrones is the only real thing but you know obviously it's a tv show but mm-hmm. it's the only thing that i would say that could compete with it but mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree with different. you 100%. it's different it's a modern work of art that's you know different yeah and like game of thrones the, the way it deals with its fantasy it's like light fantasy where this is hard fantasy where you're like every five minutes you're gonna run into uh, a, a ghost or an elf or or a, a cave troll whereas in like game of thrones you're like holy crap a dragon you know what i mean or like yeah. holy crap zombies where you're like they're coming out the woodwork in game yeah. of thrones every second you're the whole orc this. army is just a plethora <laughs> of monsters of all types of shapes and sizes yeah there's no one in uh, lord of the rings who's like oh orcs they don't exist or anything yeah. like that yeah the tree beards are the only thing that really surprise people in that world and they're like the craziest <laughs> thing you've ever seen exactly <laughs> there's so many cool monsters in that in those movies that's one of the things that i just love about it i love tree beard that's such a cool character oh uh man i love the tree army (laughs) oh my gosh it's so so, it's such a surprising thing in that moment because you're like uh, you're like what are what is this leading to what are they going to do then hold they just wreck 
face over <laughs> at Sauron's tower. It's just so great. There's just Love so it. many good, gratifying moments in these movies. I don't it built know. up to Saruman deserving that so bad. Exactly. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> that jit. After what he did to Gandalf, he needs something like this done. <laughs> and it's it i i love that like it again i, I will say this i 100 percent. if you're gonna watch these movies like for instance if you're hearing us and you're like wow i haven't seen those movies in a long time i think i should go back watch the extended editions i 100 percent recommend those over the originals yeah sure they're long but the originals are long too if you're gonna go on the journey it's already gonna be a like a day-long thing just go on the full thing man because Solomon, how they deal with him sorry my, my mic got jacked up I, I apologize for any noise that you're hearing right now <laughs> um how they deal with Solomon in the theatrical cut like it, it, it basically in return of the king they like see him and they're like oh there's he's lost his power now there's no threat to us or whatever and he's just gone you're like what wait what happened to him but in the theatrical yeah. in the extended they actually deal with him and there's this big scene where they have this final confrontation with him and ah, there's just so many moments like that where it's like okay this makes sense now and this actually feels fleshed out now because we've taken the time to explore it but you know, they're, they're, that's not to say that the the extended editions aren't without their moments where I'm like, yeah, I would have cut this. I mean, yeah, sure, there are. But I think for the majority of it, it just, cre- it just adds to the experience of oh, the yeah. whole thing. For sure. <laughs> I would say. But um, anyways, um, and we're back. Sorry, we had a little bit of an audio issue, but on to more audio rings. Audio <laughs> rings. Oh my gosh, that is like, like everything. In general. Lord of the Rings. That's one and of the extra side rings that he created. Oh yeah, <laughs> the he created, audio. He created seven rings for the audio. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for the audio technicians. Seven rings were given to the audio technician. Peter Jackson gave out seven rings to the audio files. Who overall <laughs> loved audio quality. <laughs> and then they each received Oscars for their work. <laughs> Did we become ring wraiths? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird how like the only the kings of men became ring wraiths. Like we're the yeah. only ones corrupt enough <laughs> to actually dark hearts of ours. <laughs> yeah, we're like Galadriel. She has like a ring of power, but she's like, eh, I'm mostly fine. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I Those elves, know. man, they know what they're doing. <laughs> so you know what's funny? Like down, like the one thing when I was like the Lord of the Rings camrudgeon, the one thing I like, um, <laughs> I hated most was was like the Inya soundtrack or whatever. When like Inya would come on, but now I'm like <laughs> so into it. I'm like, yeah. Like in the extended edition, there's like another song, and I'm like, yeah. Whenever um. <laughs> uh Eowyn's being healed and you know he's mm-hmm. like she's like what's up uh Faramir or whatever and they <laughs> that is one thing even in the extended edition their romance between Faramir and Eowyn it's just like okay it's just so because you won't have to feel sad for her to not have Aragon yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> don't worry she's That's fine <laughs> yeah um what are some let I don't know we're just riffing about this I just wanted to talk about this what are some great moments that you love when looking back at Lord of the Rings that you're just like, Oh man, this is, is great. 
I mean, all the battles, I mean, are the easy, the easy things to pick. I, I mean, the battle in the two towers where, you know, I'm not going to remember the names of all these like forts and holds and homes deep. Yeah. Was that, was that the first one the battle like down deep. in the corner? Yeah. And then, uh, but uh, Gandalf and the army like comes behind to like save them as they're like it. about to die. A big criticism is of the books and the movies is there's always something that comes up and saves them when they're in dire strait. But I love it. I love the you know when he like thinks about he's like look to my coming <laughs> at the third dot or whatever and I he mean, comes. What else is gonna happen though? Exactly. No, I mean, it kind of has to ha- happen that way. It's like you gotta up the stakes and then you have to have like this light breaking through. I love that. That that moment oh, when yeah. the light like breaks through behind Gandalf as they're like running down the hill. That was such a cool moment. Yeah. And the movie makes you forget about it too. Cause like the battle is going on for so long and it's so hopeless, but the patent mm-hmm. at the point when they come and the- they keep pushing deeper and deeper into Helm's yeah. deep. They're backed into the corner and they're like, we will die together. Yeah. And then when he comes, the third and King stands alone. Not yep. alone. It's just so great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a good moment. I think one of the ones that I always remember is the Dead Army in Return of the King. That that's is just an epic moment where the Dead Army just sweeps through the Orc Army, just wrecking havoc. I absolutely mm-hmm. love that. It's gratifying because like the Orcs have the upper hand so much of the time. So much. Their numbers are insane. Yeah. And so when we're finally able to get the upper hand, even if it's something like insane, it just feels good. Like, you know, it feels deserved because we've been getting yeah. the crap beat beaten out of us by cocky orcs and gross yeah. monsters that it's probably the army of the dead, not the dead army. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever. 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 The dead dudes, the ghost army. After seeing these movies so many times, there's so many names. I'm going to be able to get them all at some point, but there's just so many. <laughs> I, I always have to be like, what's his name? Crazy uh, steward of the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, Denethor. That's right. You know, there's always that. Um, it's so hard to remember all of them. I love one of the moments I love in Return of the King when, because um, um, in, in a Fellowship of the Rings, there's that battle they have with the cave troll. And it's like a big deal. Like the cave mm-hmm. troll comes in and everyone has to like, uh, pull in to actually beat that thing and take it down. It takes so much. And then Was that, that in the mines? Yeah, the mines of Moria. The, yeah, yeah, right. And then in Return of the King, there's this moment where they're at Themyscira and Gandalf's like, men, whatever comes out of those doors, you will stand your ground of soldiers of Gondor. And then all of a sudden, three armored cave trolls come out <laughs> and it's just, and you yep. see, and it like cuts to Gandalf and you see his look of like, holy freaking crap and it's so good except that run <laughs> exactly because they've set up how big of a threat those cave trolls are so when you see yeah. three armored ones you as an audience are like holy freaking crap run it's like a video game man those battles like oh man i i'm, I'm amazed that there wasn't like more games made out of it i remember that there was the game that we played i remember the two towers and yeah the return of the king they were like uh what were those hack and slash um big army games they're basically copies of those dynasty yeah. warriors they were basically dynasty warrior versions and they're so cool but man i don't know like it seems like i'm surprised that all we've gotten is the uh what is it shadow of mordor shadow of mordor yeah the- which which are great games but it just seems lacking that these games these movies that 
basically been made like video games in these battles haven't you know been more supported by games it just seems like it could be so much fun to play as those characters yeah i wish they would like i feel like game studios are so hesitant to retell um movie stories in video games now which i feel like i wish like right now we're at a place in gaming where it's like no you can you can do it you can make it awesome like and so i kind of wish they'd kind of try that here and there because there's times where i'm like man i would so love to play a lord of the rings game that's not just you know some guy going around killing troll killing uh those games were so good back in the day too they were like ps2 xbox (laughs) Mm -hmm. so good remember legolas shooting the arrows and oh so fun such great characters one thing about uh legolas in the movies is that like the one big criticism he gets which i think it's funny is that he's invincible (laughs) you know because like i don't think legolas takes a single punch or like falls down this whole thing is that he's like super spry and basically can dodge anything he's like the cat of the group (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I love that scene in the uh, two towers when like they're they're all they're doing is just uh, on the caravan to get to Helm's Deep, and uh, they've just defeated those uh, riders or whatever, mm-hmm. and they go and there's just like the shot. It's not even focused on where Legolas just like leaps onto a horse mm-hmm. from like the side, and it's obviously it's like mm-hmm. a CGI Legolas, but it looks so awesome and it just so. I think I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> such casual like acrobatics it's just so cool like they just set him up to be this like perfect guy it's just it's it's hilarious actually there's this moment in the i've only watched the hobbit movies once (laughs) but i do remember laughing at this moment in one of the hobbit movies i don't even remember which one but legolas like takes a punch and they make like this big deal of it he like (laughs) he like turns like really slowly (laughs) like he's Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was exactly that kind of moment. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, he, he's hilarious in that way where he's just I mean, so perfect. I'm sure anybody who's a big fan of the books would laugh at me saying this, but like, I'm sure it's because of the books that it's one of the greatest things about this whole series is just how original every character in it is. Like, even you know, from Pippin to Sam, like they're two very different people. Like even though they grew up in the same place and they're, you know, essentially in the same family group, like they're two very different characters that support each other in these great ways. And, you know, there's just, there's so many cool characters that are so original and Aragorn, Gondor, Legolas, Gimli, like Mary, Pippin, like they all have their own little like thing to do, you know, and of course, mm-hmm. Gandalf is this like incredible leader that comes back as Gandalf the White and has this whole new dynamic to him. Such cool evolution of the characters, and like like seeing Merry and Pippin become the, their own selves and like stand up for themselves and you know becoming bold and brave and that's that's just what I think makes this series so timeless. It just there's so much to enjoy and and you can come back like you did and find new things to enjoy that you know you you probably didn't even notice the first time you watched it. I know yeah. for me like I don't think I've watched the ending to that movie since I saw it in theaters like back in 2003 and yeah, like I can't wait to go back. I watched yeah. a recap of this whole thing, but I really need to go back and watch all these like you have. And I've never watched the extended version, so I can't even imagine how much more there is to enjoy. 
Dude, I will swing by. I will I will hand you those uh um extended edition Blu-rays. <laughs> they are uh they are a thing. Like it's great. Just like if you take like maybe a few days and watch them all. Um, like the endings is like always like when I hear about Return of the Kings, I always hear about the criticism towards the multiple endings or whatever. But like honestly, when I'm watching it, I like I guess it's like a kind of a different thing when you're watching it for the first time in theaters. But when you're watching it. Uh, on like at your home and you've just gone through this uh, epic journey it's like yeah they've earned this and you want to see these characters go through this closure you want to have closure after this long i hate it in long movies like every transformer is like transformers movies like this it's like they're like forever long and at the end like right after the final blow has been like had it's just like Sam Witwicky, we've did it. You have protected the yeah. earth. What I've done in the movie's <laughs> over. And I'm like, wait, what? The movie's over? It was like three hours long and that's it? And so with this like like dozen hour epic, it's like, yeah, yeah. you kind of do want to have like some closure and see these characters through to the end. I, I, I don't yeah. get it. And, and I, I love it. Like there's this moment, like I tear up at two parts. Like still, I'm not going into full crying mode. Like I did that last, that one time I was talking about, but I do, I get like emotional when like they're going off to the, um, to the great sea or whatever, to the mm-hmm. world beyond, to like heaven or whatever it is. And, um, and when like, cause there's so much talk about how death is in the end. I always get like moved by that. I don't know why. Like when, uh, <laughs> when uh, Pippin is like, is this it, Gandalf? He's like, oh, this isn't it. Just another road or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. And then at the end where like Bilbo's like, he sees that ship and he's like, I think I'm ready for another adventure. And I'm like, ah, it gets me. And like yeah. in that one ending where they're, you know, with uh, Aragorn and everyone's bowing to him. And then he looks at the hobbits. He's like, my friends, you bow to no one. It's like, that, and everyone bows yeah. to them. It's just, oh my God. It's like, it's the definition it's of powerful to me where I'm just yeah. like so moved. Ah, I don't know. I can't, I, I will defend those endings. <laughs> Every yeah. single one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's as emotional as you can get. It's an, it's incredible. It's just such an amazing buildup. And then, you know, to me, it was just, it landed so well the way like the Mount doom explodes and they have to run off and hurry back. And then like the whole world falls away with the orc army and, Mm. Oh, so cool. <laughs> it's it's great. It's just, it's the definition of epic, powerful. It, I don't know. I, it sounds like I am like overpraising these things, but, and I, I don't watch great movies all the time, but when I think like, there's just nothing like mm-hmm. Lord of the freaking Rings when it comes to- So many things movies. don't have a payoff too. And that's like you were saying, like, I, I agree. I think the endings are amazing. And it actually like, it feels like all this buildup and all this anticipation and three years of movies coming back just all paid off to this incredible ending. That's another thing I was going to say. We have not had a series do like that where one movie comes after another each year. We have not had that happen in so long, if ever since then. We have like, you know, Mission Impossible comes out like every three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, Fast and Furious comes out, same kind of thing, three or four years. It seems like they they finish filming a movie, they come out with the movie, and then they start working on the next movie. Whereas these, these guys, like they held back their movies and said, no, we're going to bring these all out together so we don't have to make audiences wait, you know, 10 yeah. years to watch all three movies. And thank you. Thank you for doing that. Not doing the Hunger Games, Fast and the Furious thing where you make us wait so long. Yeah. Um, the only thing we've had with that is like they're usually in two parts 
Well, um, yeah. we had uh, Infinity War and Endgame, which they filmed. It's always when they film at the same time. Like, obviously, yeah. famously, this is one of the first movies. Just to so do many that. things don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So many are like, okay, four years later, we're going to get the sequel. But yeah, this was like, this paved the way for that kind of filmmaking. It's actually crazy. It spent like four, how many, like two years, I think, in pre production where mm-hmm. they're like literally like crafting the armor and putting like the elven runes, like this detail you'll never even see. And you know, they poured so many millions of dollars into that in the hopes that all these movies would land. Yeah. Too. So I think that's the reason it doesn't happen more often. You know, new, new line cinemas had to put a lot of faith in Peter Jackson to say, okay, like, you need to make her money back. We're going to make all these three movies for you and, you know, wait to bring them out. Yeah. Man, it'd be hard to sit on that kind of budget for that long. No kidding. I mean, um, yeah, I think we like the only examples is when they're filmed at the same time. I think uh, famously uh, Matrix did this for the uh, last two. Um, obviously they had to wait four years before matrix reloaded yeah. but matrix revolution I'll, i'd love to do a show on matrix <laughs> one day mm-hmm. uh, i have a lot to say on that but yeah how they they came out months apart like six months from matrix mm-hmm. reloaded matrix revolutions but uh it, it's rare and it never have i seen an entire trilogy um filmed at the same yeah. time that is definitely something we have especially seen on this since. scale i mean all yeah. these on on location shots i mean like i said it must have cost an insane amount of money yeah Man, it was so worth it though oh yeah and you know and, and famous as they can get yeah and it was awarded with uh return of the king was awarded with uh several oscars including best picture i think is more of a yep. as a hey you did this accomplishment this great filming accomplishment and filming all these movies and them turning out like they did here's your oscar <laughs> yeah i mean i almost wish all of them could have won but yeah i, I think that's kind of how how they do it though typically reward the final one yeah, it's rare that I that I come in uh, on this podcast and I once 100% praise a movie. But yeah, to me, I mean, these are just A-plus movies, 10 out of 10, every single one of them. And yeah, I think they're all fantastic. And I'm not saying perfect. I'm not saying like they don't have any flaws. I mean, like watching them, for instance, there are um, a few parts where I'm like, yeah, okay, the CGI has dated here. It's usually where the green screen comes in. But honestly, I mean, a lot of it looks great. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's it's good enough from what I was seeing that it really doesn't take away from your viewing that much, which is impressive for something that's almost 20 years old now. You would think you would come back to it and be like, man, that just looks like it needs to be updated so bad. Yeah. Kind of like, obviously, George Lucas thought about Star Wars. <laughs> Every time so I, I watch I hope we it. never have that cut of Lord of the Rings. No, no. Yeah, you don't need that. <laughs> Like every time I watch this trilogy, every time we get to the uh, the Legolas part where he goes up the 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 elephant or whatever, and he takes out all those guys, every mm-hmm. single time I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna look dated. And then, and then when I see it, I'm like, nope, still awesome. I mean, like it's clearly CGI, but it looks good enough to where I'm like, nope, this is awesome. <laughs> this is freaking cool. There's a part where they're going up the ramp in Helm's Deep that I noticed that it was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I can see that a little bit, but. You know, it's fine. It's it's still like for what they did back then, just mind blowing. But you know, that was twenty years ago, so now we have insane crap like we had in Endgame that just <laughs> looks ridiculously realistic. Yeah, and like at the time and like I think it's the lighting here. effects, the biggest thing. You know, yeah. I think that's what what it really is. The lighting just looks off on the CGI characters. It's not even that the actual rendering is that bad. 
it's just you can tell it looks more dull or you know like a mm-hmm. matte finish to things and doesn't have the shadows it should yeah exactly and you know and at the time it was top of the line like this put weta on the map i mean they were they were around at the time but now they're they've taken prominence because of lord of the rings mm-hmm. and like what they did obviously with Gollum um was an early example of that motion capture with uh andy circus that he's gone on to do over and over and over again which is just fantastic <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, at the time it was a pioneer when it came to special effects. They had like the most special effects shot, sister shots of any movie at the time, like each one. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, shoot, I feel like we're we're just gushing, really, which is kind of what I wanted to do. That was the aim. It's not <laughs> like I came in here to be like, I'm going to give all these criticism of Lord of the Rings. I mean, if it was 13 year old me, I mean, or not 13 year old, <laughs> or 16, 17 year old Jordan, it would be like, ooh. Well, and I would have been like stupid about it, but now I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> no, these are uh, <laughs> marvels of movies. But anyways, what a thing for Peter Jackson too. Like I was just looking through like what he had directed before that. And there was not a lot, nothing we really talk about now. Like the Frighteners is one that you and I had mentioned in 96, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, I mean, who, who even remembers that other than you and me? And mm-hmm. then, you know, this was this was probably his first like big budget movie, and oh, was it a big budget? You know, series of movies. Imagine, I mean, like at the time, I, I at the time, like now, I feel like a lot of uh, studios are giving opportunities to these like kind of up and comers, but then I don't think any, I don't know. It was a really long shot that someone like this would have been considered for a project so big. Whereas now I feel like that yeah. happens from time to time. They'll be like, I, we like you. <laughs> Here you yep. go. Um, but yeah, it, it's in, in his uh, career since hasn't been as a, it, it's kind of almost sad yeah. where it's like he learned. King all the, Kong. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I enjoy King Kong, it, it, even though it's not like it's, it's on a different tier than these Lord of the Rings movies, like way, mm-hmm. way lower, but I enjoy it for what it is. But that's the Jack Black one, right? Jack Black and yeah, Naomi mm-hmm. Watts. But like after that, it's like, what do we have? I mean, obviously he tried to yeah. recreate the, the magic Hobbit. with the yeah. Hobbit, and he had uh, the Adventures of Tintin, the Lovely Bones. Yeah, the Lovely Bones, uh, and they there was that of uh, what, what was that movie that came out recently that no one saw, including me? Uh, something like Something Machines, <laughs> where there's like these. Yeah. Remember, I was talking about that, the Mortal Machines, but he actually only uh, produced that. He did okay. not direct that. Yeah, I'd like for him to come back, but what can you do? What can you do that can top this? I don't. You just don't try. You don't. He's even working try. on a Tintin sequel right no now. Way? Are yeah. you kidding me? So a third Tintin and a sequel. So oh boy! Oh boy! Two more Tintin movies. I didn't like that first one, so. <laughs> oh he really hasn't done a lot i mean he doesn't even have that many producer credits either it's 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 a strange thing coming off the incredible success of those movies because even even at the time they were recognized as the great movies that they are now Mm -hmm. yeah last movie he directed oh was that uh they shall not grow old which was basically where he took the footage of the the world war one footage and like kind of 
like really did some like magic to them where it looked like it colorized them hmm. clean them up i haven't up. seen that hmm. like yeah like take out some footage on youtube it's just a world war one documentary and uh apparently that's very good but that's really the last thing he's directed mm-hmm. since uh the hobbit the uh, battle of the five armies so yeah yeah i guess he just doesn't direct too much now these days which you know fine he did lord of the rings he can rest <laughs> That's a lifelong achievement. He just did it relatively early in his film career. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I think that about does it. We, we've, uh, <laughs> do you, unless you have anything to say, we've gushed for a while. About Watch Lord these movies if you haven't. Check them out. And if it's been a while, and if you haven't checked out the extended edition, take a look, man. I mean, again, Luke, I will swing by put them in a plastic bag or whatever you want. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll drop by these, uh, this trilogy for you to enjoy at some point with Bethany. Um, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been Such fun. a good series. I would say this is not my favorite. I think Indiana Jones is those movies are just, I absolutely love them and I'd love to talk about them sometime, but Dude, yeah, this, this may be my second favorite. <laughs> it's really high up there. These movies are incredible. Heck yeah, let's let's see. So much fun. I mean, they're just so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Let's do a uh, an Indiana Jones uh, episode relatively soon. I mean, we're we're on lockdown, man. I mean, some of these old movies just Mm. gotta pop them in. Just you know, take Mm. another look. So soon, let's do let's do one of those. (laughs) That's like that's like the one thing that I've owned on VHS. I've owned on DVD. I've owned on Blu-ray. I own on digital like just <laughs> taking it through you know whatever it is i have to have it i would love to do a indiana jones episode so let's do that at some point soon if we can do it next week like i i'd be into hammering yeah, it, those things out the fourth indiana jones does not count people like come on no it doesn't <laughs> that I think is a that's trilogy a, <laughs> widely regarded as uh, not counting the uh, <laughs> kingdom of the crystal skull yeah <laughs> Uh, anyways man it's been good it's good to talk to you about something fun something awesome something positive but uh we'll see you guys next week with uh, when we do whatever we're gonna do (laughs) thanks for listening see ya